Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 3, titled The Plateau. Uh, yet another very, very good episode, going back to the alternate universe. I don't know why I am trying to do French. <laughs> or German? I don't know. Point is, it's the alternate universe. Uh, and we got what is a pretty fun standalone-ish story. Of course, we have the ever-present specter of our Olivia thinking she's alternate Olivia being trapped on the other side without knowing it, but for the most part, like, this is its own self-contained narrative, and they put it, they go in a really fun direction with it, and I really, really, uh, like it. But before we get into any of the actual content of the episode... Of course, this is an alternate universe episode, which means we have to do yet another installment of Things That Are Different. Okay, so there's two major things I want to highlight this time around. First off, pens. They're not a thing in this world. <laughs> Apparently, they are very, very rare. Apparently, this universe has become... So digitized that people don't really use pen and paper all that much. It's really only special use cases that it comes across. And so when a pen shows up in this episode at multiple crime scenes, like that in and of itself is like a huge deal. That in and of itself is like a weird event. Like, see, on our world, a fringe event is... I don't know, some big, giant, hybrid monster impregnating Charlie Francis. But (laughs) in this universe, a fringe event is a pen. Oh my god, a pen! Uh (laughs) But that's really, really interesting. And also, I'm going to be honest, we're not that far off from that being our reality in this world, quite honestly. Like, we're rapidly approaching that era of, like, hyper-digitization of literally everything. But there's that. Uh, There's also areas in this universe where the air quality is bad enough, the air quality is compromised enough, that you need, like, to carry around miniaturized oxygen tanks that, like, act almost as inhalers. And it's, like, really weird. Yet another reason why uh, this universe is kind of screwed up. Yet another way in which Walter Bishop kind of destroyed this world uh, when he went over to kidnap Peter uh, is the whole... Now there are literally places where air quality is just flat out unbreathable, and you suffocate if you don't have, like, a miniaturized oxygen tank, like, on hand. Uh, so yeah, 
that uh, that is all in this installment of things that are different. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Did I? That intro is so stupid. Anyway, so in this episode, we'll talk about the meat of the episode first. The the the, the a story of the episode first. So. The hook of this episode is some guy is walking around creating these, like, statistical anomalies. Like, creating these impossible-to-predict bus crash scenarios, like, rigging the laws of probability, setting off these, like, Rube Goldberg-style murders. And it flags on Fringe Division because, like, there's two... Instances of buses crashing into people in two days. That in and of itself is a damn near impossible thing. Like, that is just almost unheard of. So, they come in to investigate that just in case it's, like, a big fringe event. And then they find the pens. And then they, like, put the stuff together. Put the pieces together on the chain reaction stuff. And then we go from there. By the way, I particularly love... All the times when Astrid steps in. And because alternate Astrid is like a huge, huge numbers person. Alternate Astrid is like a giant probability nut. And so every time she jumps in and just expresses disbelief at like this whole scenario is great. I love the moment where Astrid's like... The chances of this happening are 0.000. It is literally impossible. There are way too many variables to calculate. Uh, And just dismissing the entire thing. Oh, that one moment where she's working out the... Wait, is is this location we got from a good buy note to this dude's sister uh, real? Or are they uh, predicting that we'll predict that he predicted that? Uh, Like, are... Is he at this hotel or is he not at this hotel? And Alternash is like, well, uh, you predicted that he predicted that, but he could predict that you'd predict that you'd he'd predict that, but he could predict that, but you could predict that he'd predict that you'd predict that he'd predict that, but he could predict that you'd predict that he predicted that he you predicted that he predicted that, but you could predict that he'd predicted like just going through that infinite spiral like that. That's a great moment. I love alternate Astrid. Alternate Astrid is the best. Uh, but also, the third incident, I especially love seeing the more prolonged chain reaction. The more sophisticated chain reaction of it's still going when Fringe Division gets there. Like, it's still going once Fringe, Fringe Division arrives. They just don't know it. They think they're at the aftermath, but really they're at the center of it and it's an ambulance crash and not a bus crash like the bus in and of itself was a misdirect i love that uh when olivia identifies this guy and tries to take him in and he creates this chain reaction so he can escape safely like it's just oh these chain reaction stuff this probability rube goldberg murdering stuff like it's all so cool it's all so fun to watch and i really love playing around with this uh but eventually they find a connection between victims where they're all like 
they're all connected to this research center that deals with neurological disorders. And we talked to the medical director there. And apparently, our murderer is the product of a drug trial that they were working on. Basically, they've been trying to make essentially smart drugs. uh, Trying to help uh, people with lesser IQs. Trying to help people with uh, cognitive disabilities. Cognitive impairments. Be smarter. And, like, make them, like, more in normal range so they can live more normal lives. Quality endeavor. Until this Milo guy got involved. Uh, Initially, he was one of those cognitively impaired people, but they gave him some treatments of drugs, and now he's, like, a super massive genius. And apparently, at the end of the drug trial, it's, uh... It's required to regress back to the original state. That's like a requirement of these drug trials. But this dude doesn't want to regress back. He wants to stay smart. So he's setting off these chain reactions, specifically targeting people who would be involved in uh, facilitating his regression. He's specifically killing people who would be involved in Forcing him to become not smart no more. Basically, this is like a twisted version of Flowers for Algernon. Which is awesome. Which is really cool. And I love that. I I love the idea of, let's do Flowers for Algernon if Charlie ended up being a serial killer. That's essentially... That's essentially what this episode is, and I love it. That's essentially what this episode is, and it's absolutely great. Uh, Eventually, we talk to this dude's sister, and we have some great moments with her. Uh, That one moment when Milo comes back and and his sister confronts him, and she's like, you gotta call them back, they've been calling you, they've been calling you, you gotta call them back. And Milo's like, no, no, I'm not doing that. And she... It's like, okay, I'll I'll call him. And dude's like, no, you're not going to. Your only action will be an action. Uh, you never do anything that could result in a negative outcome, like just predicting her, predicting her, predicting her. He goes full observer at one point and just starts, like, predicting the ends of her sentences. Oh, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be great if, so, this is never a plot point in the show. This is purely me speculating, so I'm not spoiling future any episodes or anything. But wouldn't it be great if, like, this episode had, like, this underlying current of the alternate universe was accidentally creating observers not knowing it? That'd be cool. That'd be awesome. That'd be an awesome little twist if that happened. Again, that was never confirmed. That's never a thing. That I'm not spoiling future episodes when I say that. Uh, that is just me speculating wildly. Uh, but we go to the sister. There's a heart-to-heart between Olivia and the sister. Eventually, she uh, produces a goodbye note uh, that she got from him that says where she can reach him, where she can find him. And we get the moment of like, wait a minute, did he predict that she'd tell us? Did he predict that she'd uh, say something and we'd go to that hotel? 
And then, like, the whole infinite spiral of, like, well, if you predicted it, maybe he predicted that you'd predict it. Uh, but you predict that he predicted it. Or, but then you can predict that he'd predict that you'd predict that he'd predict. And then he could predict that you'd predict that he'd predict that you'd predict that he'd predict. Like, just that infinite spiral moment that's great. And the entire time, this dude is constructing a chain reaction scenario, a probability scenario, resulting in Olivia Dunham's death. And we get these great flashes of seeing exactly how this chase will pan out. Exactly how... Uh, this confrontation will pan out, including the miniaturized oxygen, her stopping for it because protocol, and then getting crushed by a pile of cinder blocks. Then they show up, this chase happens, it's a great chase sequence, it's really well done, it is very thrilling. They go through, they go through, they go through, they go through, they go through. And then they reach this air quality bad zone. And Olivia doesn't take out her oxygen. Just keeps chasing him. And as a result is able to react to the cinder blocks falling. And is able to sidestep the pile. So this scenario does not work out at all. And Olivia and Charlie are able to catch him. Olivia and Charlie are able to take him out. And then, like, we bring him in. Turns out he cannot be regressed back. The drugs have been in his system too long. And he is now so intelligent. He is no longer thinking in ways that human beings can understand. uh, And his thoughts can only be interpreted by a machine. So, there's that. Now, let's talk about more of the macro stuff happening in this episode. Let's talk about more of the stuff under the surface. So... Olivia is fully integrated into her alternate's life. Olivia is fully, like, living her alternate's life, blissfully unaware of the fact that she is not from this universe. And there's a bit of an adjustment period. Broyles is still uh, saying, no, 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 I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this. To which Walter responds, I mean, yeah, but Cortexafan... Even though we don't know the name of Cortexafan, but basically the results of Cortexafan, we're trying to figure out what that shit is, and then Broyles like, okay. Uh, Charlie and Lincoln are kind of noticing her acting odd, and Charlie even says like, hey, uh, remember when uh, she was fully yelling about how they're trying to make her think she's someone she's not? What if, uh, what if? She actually is the other Olivia. For the record, you cannot tell those two apart. And so he actually, like, floats that out there. Uh, But then his fears are assuaded when she knows enough to fill in the blanks on the Coney Island story of Charlie throwing up on the guy next to him on a roller coaster, which is great, which is amazing. But the entire time, she is seeing, like, these hallucinations. Uh, she sees Peter on the street. She sees Walter in this hospital. And eventually, at the very, very end, this hallucination of Peter shows up to her and is like, Hey, uh, so you know why you didn't die, right? It's because you didn't know the protocol. You didn't know you had to stop for oxygen. Because you're not her. You're not from this world. And you need to remember that. You need to hold on to the 
memory of your actual self. You need to hold on to your original identity. And so Olivia's starting to crawl her way back. Turns out this is not as permanent as we would have thought. And she's sort of crawling her way back to the Olivia we know and love. While this is happening, by the way, Walter, Walter Nitt and Brandon Fayette are setting up these experiments on the Cortexafan stuff. They plan to put her in a sensory deprivation tank. Great Walters think alike. <laughs> they plan to put her in a sensory deprivation tank. And that's going to be a thing. Uh, so yeah, real good episode all around. On uh, the next one is going to be back to our universe, because uh, that's what we're doing now. We're going back and forth. We're going back and forth. One episode in alternate, one episode in prime. One episode in alternate, one episode in prime. Next one's going to be prime. Uh, so that'll be real, real fun. Anyway, uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives. You can be here every single Monday through Friday as we go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just to push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark, pledges a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Tomorrow we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 4. Talk to you then.